0: And now for an inside look at college sports with the men in the know, J.C. and
1: Morgan.
2: Here's Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert.
1: Oh, it is time. It is time once again for the J.C. and Morgan podcast. And guess what we're talking today? Yeah, we're not just talking college football. We do that every week. We're talking actual results of actual games. And that makes it even more fun. He's J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports. You can check him out on Twitter at J.C. Sherbert. I am Mike Morgan of ESPN on the SEC Network at Morgan on air and on uh, Twitter. And each and every week we compile an hour plus of college football conversation and insight. And we will do just that. And JC, we will do it with some results to talk about and actually look forward to more good games in week number two. We always like to do our kind of hits and misses. But before we get into that specifically, uh, just your overall impressions of week number one.
2: Well, I thought there were some disappointing performances. Obviously, Florida State on Monday night was a disaster. And I got a text from a staff member uh, that's uh, at a Pac-12 school this morning. Um, And he said, well, if, you know, with that staff Willie Taggart's hired, they could go 3-9 and this year. I got another text from another staff member I know at another program that's in the Big Ten. Willie Taggart may not last two years. I mean, that was very disappointing. I thought Miami was extremely disappointing, although I did pick LSU. Um and I thought LSU would be better than people thought, and and they were. But I'm starting to question Miami in big games. I, I know we had the Notre Dame game last year where they won 41 to 8, and that was a terrific ball game. Um by the U, and everybody's talking about the U's back, but Malik Rozier, I'm just not sold. I'm just not sold on him as a quarterback. Uh, I think they have all the parts in place except a QB. Um, and and Michigan let me down tremendously. I mean, with Shea Patterson, you finally have a quarterback. Uh, not that Notre Dame was this outstanding juggernaut or anything. Uh, I thought Notre Dame played a great game. Um, and I still think Brian Kelly's a good coach. And, and I think that they, they recruit really good players and all that. But if you're Michigan, that's a chance to go make a statement, and you sort of laid an egg, uh, even with a new quarterback. So so those were the disappointments. Um, you know, in the SEC and ACC, Mike, there were a lot of games that you, you can't really tell. I mean, Georgia and Austin Peay, I, I couldn't tell. Um, South Carolina, Coastal Carolina, you can't tell. Uh, I do know Tennessee, who I thought would, you know, leading up to the game, I I thought maybe they would give West Virginia a game. Uh, Obviously, they did not, at least in the second half. Um, That was a little disappointing, but now they have a chance to kind of rally and come back. Uh, You know, I thought Kentucky was, you know, the typical Kentucky-MAC opener you know, they kind of struggle and to come back and win. I thought Vandy really did some good things. Uh up 7 at half, end up winning thirty five seven against a pretty good middle Tennessee uh program. Um, and then of course Alabama. Uh I think I think we all know now who who the starting quarterback is at the University of Alabama and why. Uh, because I, I thought Tua was just as special in that game, as maybe in the national title game, the stakes obviously weren't as high. But, man, I just thought he was awfully impressive. So, you know, uh, those were my impressions. Uh, you know, Northwestern winning against Purdue uh, on a, a Thursday night, I, I thought that was a good win. By it's actually Pat, a pretty good game. Pat Fitzgerald. Yeah, Kirk Herbstreet was on the call, too. I thought that was yeah. awesome. Um yeah. And so, you know, from that standpoint, you know, I, I thought in the Big Ten specifically, they were impressive. I, I know I sat there and ran down App State last week and said, well, every every year since 07, everybody thinks App State's going to win the opener and then they get killed. And they obviously almost beat Penn State the other day. So I apologize. Happy Appies for that one. Um, good game by you guys, but you still lost. And, and and then Maryland and te- Texas was extremely disappointing to me. I mean, and, and Tom Herman, look, I have friends that live in Austin. They follow that program. They're not going to put up with this for forever. They will just go get another coach. And as good as Tom Herman was and as hot of a coaching commodity as he was and as, as highly as I think of him, because I still do think highly of him, I mean, man, you I mean you've got a second straight loss to Maryland in the opener with all the turmoil ter- turmoil Maryland is going through. I mean that, that that's just uh it's inexcusable really uh to lose that game. Um hats off to Matt Canada, by the way, for winning that one for the Terps, and and I've said for a long time Maryland's getting better as a program despite all the turmoil during the during the offseason but I I didn't expect Texas to lose that one up there in uh in the DC area. So those were kind of my takes in general. Um you know I, I think and this is my last take uh on this. I think at some point Mike depending on how Florida does this year under Dan Mullen and and they did really well against Charleston Southern, and don't get me <laughs> wrong, it's Charleston Southern, you know. Um, I, I think at some point we have to admit that the big three in Florida are not what they used to be. Um, and and it, it's been trending that I've come way to for, grips a, that for a while. For a long time, <laughs> and I know, I know you have ties to that state, and, and I think every, yeah. every year we sit there and think, well, I, and FSU in 2013 was awfully good, but... I don't know if they're recruiting the wrong players. I don't know if Alabama and other schools going into that state taking players has eroded those rosters. But at some point, you have to just admit, Miami's not Miami, and and they're not even close to being Miami. You know, Florida State, wow, you know, laid a complete egg. Um, and we'll see about Florida. But, uh, you know, the big three down there, um, you know, I, I think it's put up or shut up time in a lot of ways, over the next couple of years?
1: Well, I, I, let me start on that point, because c- that is a, a state I'm pretty familiar with. And uh, for me, it's a combination of two things. And, and I, I'll circle back on this. When you look at the demise of any great program, The Tennessee's a, a classic a case in point in this, and we'll get to the Vols and their performance against West Virginia in a moment. Um, when you have poor coaching hires and underachieving quarterback play, you are going to you are going to meet your demise i don't care how good of a program you are uh i don't care how good the rest of your talent is i don't care how highly ranked your recruiting classes are when you have those two things working against you you're going to sell su- you're going to suffer a dip and it's just a matter of how prolonged that dip is going to be uh Derek Dooley, uh, excuse me um uh mr temple i want to i want to go back to Derek Dooley, uh coach at miami just had a
2: uh, Al, Golden.
1: Uh, Al Golden, Al I, Golden. I, I put I put Derek Dooley and Al Golden. Um, they,
2: they're like the island of misfit coaches.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Al Golden was never a fit for Miami. Uh, it did not work there. I mean, you can go back to Randy Shannon, who was just laughable as a head coach, even though you could say he was a fit because he's a former player, but he wasn't a fit because he's not a Division One head football coach. Uh, and, and you look at you mentioned you mentioned Rozier. I mean, they've had bad quarterback play it's not like miami's been turning out nfl quarterbacks and they've had some poor coaching hires in the case of the university of florida uh will muschamp's doing a great job at south carolina he did not do a good job at florida and jeff driscoll just never panned out for whatever reason he wasn't ready for the for the big lights you know he did find a louisiana tech and uh, I think even for a while there was on a practice roster. Still, might be on a practice squad somewhere in the NFL. So we know he had ability, but he but he never shined in the SEC. And then you, I mean, you have guys like Treon Harris playing quarterback. It just, I mean, it's laughable. Uh, the Appleby kid. Yeah,
2: and, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, they 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 recruited Will Muschamp at Florida, and and I think we're seeing the reason why when when he got fired. Number one, they gave him the six million dollars, uh, with his contract. Uh, number two, um, he, uh, he, uh, you know, it was like a funeral when they fired him. Um, they liked him. Uh, I think he would have won the two divisions that McElwain won, but he had terrible offensive coordinator hires, and Kurt Roper who he took with him to South Carolina, was indeed a terrible hire, other than recruiting Will Greer, who they lost because of suspension. I was just going to say. Yeah. Um, and, and they just could not recruit quarterbacks. I mean, look, they had Max Staver and Skylar Morningwig in back-to-back classes at the University of Florida, Mike. Mm-hmm. And that was Brent Peace, who – Came from Boise State, had a good year with Driscoll, then they had the injury-plagued year. But, yeah, I mean, look, Muschamp, had they stayed the course, would have been fine. However, it, it wasn't meant to be. They went with McElwain. the shark picture happened, the, the death threats happened, and that was it. But, yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not going to defend Will Muschamp's tenure at Florida any longer. But 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 I do think... I do think he's a good football coach. And, and I, I do, too. I, I don't think that that was a, uh, as bad of a hire as it seemed. But, I mean, look, they've had, since Spurrier, they've had, what, one, two? They've had Zook, Meyer, Muschamp, McIlwain, and, and now Mullen. Okay, so the one coach that's done anything is happens to be one of the greatest coaches in college football. And three out of the six years, they were a Citrus Bowl and Outback Bowl team. So, so is it bad, co- or is it the job? So, so I don't know. I, I'm sorry. Well, I, I didn't mean to, mean to interrupt you. I, I just had to like make that point about. Florida. Yeah,
1: no, I, I got you, and I, I know your thoughts on that. I, I uh, your point is the Florida job isn't all it's cracked up to be. That if you look at it, and, and you've got plenty of empirical evidence to back up your point. You got a hundred years of Florida football, and you have a twelve-year great stint of success under Spurrier. <laughs> And you have how many years was Urban there? Seven, six, six seven years. Six. six years. You have you have a really good six year span. Well, really, his last year was not good at all. Uh, five year span of Urban Meyer with some really good football to the tune of t- uh, two national championships and multiple SEC titles. Yeah, but but I but I still think look I still think that is a premier job. I still think Florida State is a premier job. I still think Miami is a premier job. Yes. I just think if you make the wrong coaching hire which all three of those schools, I think Willie Taggart has the potential to be a disaster uh, at Florida State. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was never on board with that. He had a losing record. Uh, he talks a great game. He will win the press conference for you, man. Uh, although he didn't win that post-game conference, he looked lost and confused. Ooh, yeah. but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, Jimbo Fisher, look, when he had Jameis Winston, they were okay. They won a national title, and they went to another playoff. Um, but right now, you know, Deandre Francois, it, I don't, well, he's not Jameis Winston, no matter what you think of Francois, he's not Jameis Winston. Uh, they've had some other years where the quarterback play has not been stellar post Bobby Bowden there. And even toward the end of Bobby Bowden's, uh, tenure there, which did not exactly end on a, on a high note. Uh, right now they have an offensive line that doesn't block anybody either. That's a major problem. But, but the biggest takeaway for me in that Florida state game, I've, to, to be that unorganized, I mean, did, did they practice in August? Did they, did they go over any film? Did they did they have a game plan? <laughs> they certainly didn't know what to do in red zone offense. I mean, that was, that was some of the most shoddy execution of stuff I've ever seen. And I'm not taking away anything from Bud Foster. Uh, and, and I give you credit. You were all over this game uh, in Bud Foster and in, in Florida and in, uh, Virginia Tech. I'll put this in the missed column. Because I thought Florida State, with a healthy DeAndre Francois at home, wins this game, whether Willie Taggart gets in the way or not. But it didn't work out that way. Uh, it, it didn't work out that way. And But but again, just bigger picture, I, I still think those are three elite jobs. But all three of them have
2: been in a bit of a demise for
1: the- various reasons. For various
2: reasons, they're in what I call the wilderness. Okay, and and Alabama was in the wilderness for years, uh, with the exception of the early Gene Stallings era, um, and then you go to Shula, you go to Price, you go to Debose, um, and then they finally just got what I call caged animal syndrome, and that's when a great program says, "We're not going to take this anymore. We're going to go do what it takes to hire our guy." Um, I thought Texas was there when they hired Tom Herman, Cage Animal Syndrome. That's the guy. Everybody did. Yeah, go get him. Um, Ohio Ohio State has never actually been there because they got from, um, you know, Trestle to Urban Meyer, which is a pretty good good deal. But, you know, a a lot of programs go through what I call the wilderness. I mean, you you look, great programs always come back. And then after the wilderness, though, Mike, if you struggle long enough, you go into what I call the abyss. I think Tennessee now is in the abyss. Tennessee, you look at them since two thousand seven. Their best years are like nine and four. Most of the, most of the time, seven and six. Um, not even competitive in the second half against West Virginia. Um, another major rebuild after all the great recruiting, quote unquote, Butch Jones did. I mean, I, I just. Tennessee, why
1: are they there? Because they made three poor coaching hires consecutively. Exactly. Exactly. That takes skill to be
2: able to do that. That Puts you in the abyss. Yes. You're in the abyss.
1: And during that time, who's the best quarterback Tennessee has had in in, in those in that era of three different head coaches?
2: Josh Dobbs. Best one. Josh Dobbs. So maybe Crompton Kiffins one year.
1: Yeah. uh, Straight out of Crompton. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, even Doc is a guy that for much of his career struggled throwing the ball downfield. He was incredibly intelligent, uh, and a great leader. And I think that aims some shortcomings in, in his actual ability to be a great passer. But, but yeah, I mean, they have not had great quarterback play. They had three bad coaches in a row. Florida's had wretched quarterback play since Tim Tebow and some questionable head coaching hires. Miami, same thing, questionable quarterback play, hires, and now you know Tennessee. So I mean, for me, it's something we 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 overcomplicate things and we turn uh, we turn chess, excuse me, checkers into chess. If you are one of these marquee programs, and we're talking about four of them right now, it, it, all you have to do is not completely screw up on the hedge. I mean, look, not everybody's going to be able to get Nick Saban, or Urban Meyer, and there's just not many of those going around. That's why Ohio State to go back to last week's podcast, that's why they sit there and they find a thousand ways to to justify holding on to Urban Meyer is because they know they can't replace him. Not right now. They're, you know, in the agent market, they can't just go out there and poach somebody away. Uh, and even if you could, other than Nick Saban, who would you poach? You know, Tom Herman was the hottest thing since sliced bread. He's lost to Maryland two years in a row. Who's the big, hot, young coach right now in college football? It, it's tough to find head coaches in this sport that truly make a monumental difference. It, it is on one hand, it, and I don't even know if I've got all five fingers necessary to count them out.
2: Uh, look, here's the deal. There are, two things, there are three things at play. Okay, number one recruiting rankings and and i have made a great living off recruiting rankings and i'm proud of the work i did and everybody out there that does that job uh universally even my competitors i like to say it competitors like that movie there will be blood you remember with daniel I Day? never Lewis? saw that one no you've never I, seen I... that movie I, hey, you
1: haven't seen Last Chance You. I'll make you a deal. You don't need to talk thing. about
2: what we've seen. And, you know, we, <laughs> sh- we should never do that. I mean, I'm going to lose that battle every single time <laughs> with Mike Morgan. Uh, but uh, no, no. I mean, it, you know, Daniel Day Lewis won an Oscar for this, and he looks and he, you know, his, his adopted son, he's an old man back in the 20s or early turn of the century in California, and his son. Yeah, you because know, he th- this guy's a real jerk, and his son comes in, and he's like, "I'm leaving you. I- I'm tired of your crap, whatever." And he goes, "That makes you my competitor." So you even my com- reached ADD territory. E- even my competitors, okay, in-, in rankings, are all good people that work hard, that have families, and that don't deserve the abuse they take on an annual basis because they rank recruits, whatever. That being said. I think that thing has seeped into coaching hires. I mean, Willie Taggart. What was the what was the narrative? Or, oh, he can recruit Florida. He's from Florida. He can recruit, 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 recruit. Look, man, that's not the end all, be all. Um, I, I, I'd like a ball coach. If I'm at Florida State, Florida State recruits itself. Bingo. I, I want a guy that can coach. You yeah. know. I'm you're, going to get,
1: you're going to get top 15 recruiting classes in Tallahassee.
2: I, I mean, look at Steve Spurrier. I don't care who you are. Look at Steve Spurrier at Florida in the 90s when all those programs were rolling. He got the lower third of the top 33% of the players in Florida on an annual basis. He didn't out-recruit Miami or FSU. He didn't beat those teams very often. But he won, what, six SEC titles. There's enough talent in there to go, to, go around in that state. Give me a ball, coach and And, look, some of these guys just aren't that good you know if, if I want somebody i'm I'm gonna go look at Matt Campbell at Iowa State. where I'm right there? Where are you at, and what are you doing? Well, you're at Iowa State, and you're you had the best defense in the big twelve, arguably last or one of them you know you actually played defense um you know you've got a good offense. urban Meyer loves you, you know i mean that that's a pretty good his assistant coaches are actually pretty good in terms of track record. Uh, even you look at Adazio up at B.C., he's doing well. Um, you know, uh, that's the guy I'm looking for. But the, so, so that's number one. Recruiting kind of plays into it. Oh, Iowa State doesn't recruit that. Well, well you're at Iowa State. No offense to them. There, there, there's not a nickel's worth of talent in the state of Iowa. You're going to have to go Florida or wherever and get guys. Um, and, and I think people put too much stock into that. Number two. Athletic directors are basically politicians, and when we look, not to get political, but we look at Congress, what is the number one driving force to every decision congressmen or senators make? Is this going to hurt me getting reelected? Is this, is this going to cost me my job? And so they blow with the wind. They don't have the kahunas to go out and say, well, we're going to go hire this guy. Um, and number three, I think, Mike, there are a lot of great assistant coaches out there that you could hire, um, not from Alabama staff necessarily, to be head coaches that are ready and people are afraid of it because of the political end of it. Number three, Nick Saban has taken all the oxygen out of the room. There are three, four head coaches, Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, and Jimbo Fisher, that have won national championships that are even coaching now. In in the major FBS level, four active coaches, and and one of them has a bunch, six. The other one has three, and the other two have one each. So I, I think it's Nick Saban's world, and everybody's living living in it. And no nobody can get out there and go, hey, you know, who else is doing good? Because nobody else really is.
1: Well, and I I think. To put everything in perspective, what's as I watched Auburn pick up the biggest win of the weekend, uh, knocking off you know a, a top ten Washington team that a lot of people think will be in the playoff. Uh, Auburn is led by a head coach that, at parts of last year, if you polled majority of Auburn Nation, they wanted Gus Malzon out. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, Arkansas flirts with him okay, we, we gotta, we gotta keep this guy. We, we, we love Gus <laughs> and, and then he, and then beat, he beats beat, Alabama, beat Georgia and Bama. Yeah. I mean, and, and now it's like, uh, give him, give him a hundred million dollars, do what you gotta do. I don't care what it takes. That's how, that's how fickle it is for most coaches. Um, and I'm still convinced, you know, if, if Auburn loses two games this year, uh, the, the, the love affair with Gus Malzahn, will will go back to what it was before. And the criticism will go back to what it was. Uh, that's, that's just where we are. There's very few head coaches that are just absolute staples. It, it, it's a different climate than it was 20 years ago, where it was Spurrier, Bowden, uh, Paterno, Fulmer, even Rick to Georgia was on very solid ground for quite some time in Athens before uh, it it just finally, the steam ran, ran out that that's not where we are now. Uh -uh. Um, and, and, and where we are now to, to kind of circle back to, to Tennessee, uh, we're we're waiting for these programs to get back to where they were, and the question is, how long are we going to wait? Because I am convinced. Again, uh, we don't want to overreact too much on the Florida State game. Florida State is still a very good season. Willie Taggart figures it out, makes some changes on his staff. All could be great in Tallahassee. I mean, the ACC is what it is. It's Clemson, and it's everybody else. And Florida State's going to be favored against everybody else. Uh, with the possible exception of Miami. Uh, and, and, and Clemson is, in, again, they're in, a, they're in a whole other state. Um, but what is, when is Tennessee going to get good again? As I've made the analogy, is Jeremy Pruitt going to be? Because if you look at the, anal- the uh, resumes, Jeremy Pruitt's resume reminds me so much of Will Muschamp's resume before he got the Florida job. And it, it made sense for Florida to hire Will Muschamp. It made sense for Tennessee to hire Jeremy Pruitt. You're either going to get the Will Muschamp that it didn't work out at Florida or you're going to get the Will Muschamp that certainly seems to be uh, has the, the South Carolina program on the right track, which we'll talk about that game, which is the, the biggest one of the week <laughs> in, in the SEC. But I'll just say real quick, my, my hits and misses. I mean, hits. I, I did have Auburn winning. Uh, I thought it'd be higher scoring. Uh, mm-hmm. Washington, Washington, showed me something on defense. Now they don't have to apologize for not being mm-hmm. physical enough. Or I mean, they they, they got dudes on defense now um and they're certainly good enough to make it to the playoff the problem is their margin of error is, is paper thin now they're basically probably going to have to run through the pack 12 in order to do so uh and kind of an underrated game and i was keeping my eyes on this for a couple reasons one of which i'm heading old miss to call a rebels game is this, this saturday old miss uh-huh. blows out texas tech and they played a little d in the process by the way but that offense will score on anybody now I I say that and of course I got Alabama coming up. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's the exception. But outside of that, I've I'm convinced Tiamo Brown Metcalf, now they got a JUCO running back who's the SEC offensive player of the week. I'm convinced they're gonna they're gonna pile on points against almost everybody they play. They got a good old line. Uh, their question will just be defense, but they got nothing to lose. They can't go to a bowl game. Phil Longo to me is one of the more intriguing offensive coordinators in all in college football. I w- I think that <laughs> he uh, is is going get, to start getting some offers for a head coaching job very soon, sooner rather than later. Uh, so I'll, I'll put that in the hits column. The, uh, the, the West Virginia win over Tennessee had that, although... Uh, I thought I'd see a little bit more out of Tennessee, and I, and I did not. I mean, that's not to take away anything from Will Greer, who is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. West Virginia is a very legitimate contender in the Big 12. I wanted to see a little more out of Tennessee. I did not. My misses, yeah, I had LSU winning, but I sure as heck didn't see the Mm-mm. domination coming over Miami. No. Me sir. I mean, that's, be close. And, and, and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow is one of those guys now, Ignore the stat line. If you saw that, if you didn't watch a a down of that game and you looked at the stat line, you'd see very pedestrian numbers. You'd be like, well, I don't get it. What, why is he the guy? If you watch the game, then you say, this is what LSU has been missing. And if you go back to their two national titles, it wasn't Jordan Jefferson. It wasn't these five-star kids Mm -hmm. that run all over the place. Incredible athletes. I'm going to give you two names, Matt Malk and Matt Flynn. Flynn. Mm -hmm. Those, the two guys who won national titles, For Saban and Miles at LSU and that is all you need I I hate the term game manager because it's a deliberate way of trying to take away from what uh, the value of a quarterback who doesn't just run around all the time and extend plays and make highlights but it is important if you got that many athletes on the defensive side of the ball in the running game at the wide receiver spot and on the line of scrimmage Sometimes that's all you need, and that's when is at its best. But again, I'll put it as a miss because I didn't see them dominating my that that wasn't even a game. I mean Miami should they, they were they were basically boat raced. Uh I had Florida State winning, so to say that was a miss would be an understatement. <laughs> the fact yeah. that they just got trounced. Didn't see that coming. Uh Michigan. Uh, I'm just, I'm just embarrassing myself with all these misses, JC. I, I, I might, I might suspend myself for three weeks on the podcast <laughs> after this, uh, Michigan. I thought Michigan would beat Notre. I got to say this. I didn't know Notre Dame's defensive line was that good. I mean that they, they, yeah, but, Michigan was, they were completely pushed around on the line of scrimmage. It was a no contest deal. Um, Shea Patterson at times looked like he wasn't completely ready for the big time and, and I don't know how when you're trailing where the way they were you're you're still huddling up on every play. I, I didn't like a lot of things I didn't like for Michigan offensively in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, and I'll just add one more hit and that's this. Yes, I've been saying for three months Tua was gonna be the guy and Tua is going to stay the guy. And to me it's been the biggest non story story of the off season. I realize we all got to kill time in the off season uh but the the fact that we've been spending so much time nationally nationally <laughs> uh, is is it Tua or is it hurt first of all it doesn't matter Alabama was going to be a heavy favorite in every game anyway and secondly clearly Tua is the better quarterback he's a he's a guy that they they haven't had the likes of him to work with Nick Saban has not uh and I mean you just it's just the eye test you just watch those two Tua is a different beast he really is
2: I mean, yeah, and the receivers they have. I mean, you have to have a guy that can get them the ball. And, look, I've always been a Jalen Hurts fan. Uh, In the Athlon Sports preseason preview, I wrote the recruiting piece for Alabama, and I said, Jalen Hurts has the chance to be the best freshman quarterback at any school anywhere. And he was ranked like 156th in the country. And then, lo and behold, he starts – And takes them to the national championship game. Okay? And so I felt good. And so I've always been a Hurts guy. You know, here's Tua coming in from Hawaii or wherever. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. National championship game last year. I'm sitting in the stands. And and they put Tua in. And I'm like, oh, they're crazy. Hurts, hurts, hurts. Because I'm a Hurts guy. I was a Hurts guy. And after I watched... Not the not necessarily the winning touchdown, which is a, a throw that not a lot of quarterbacks would have made because um, it was on a rope. But uh, the, the pass to Ridley uh, late in the game on fourth down, rolling around and firing it and Ridley caught. I mean, just kind of the presence and all that, I was like, wow, this kid's special. I was wrong about him. Um, and and I've, I've said through the offseason I thought he would start, but um, – you know he he's really good, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Hertz uh, moving forward uh, in terms of you know what what's he going to do after he graduates. But that's something we can talk about later. I do want to mention our sponsor, uh, ATS Sportswear. Um, this guy is the best at screen printing. At Custom Embroidery, if, if you need jerseys for you know your church league softball team, for your business, let's say you're having a family reunion, you won't get something screen printed, uh, you need to give my boy Stephen Gravely a call uh, at ATS Sportswear. He is uh, the best in the business. He has four graphic artists right there on staff, and um, he will take very, very good care of you uh, if you contact him. Go to ATSSportswear.com uh, and hit him up, and uh, he will definitely uh, be your guy for all of that. Um, and
1: we we got you covered on both ends, then, right? Because we yeah. got we, we got we got you there on the sportswear. We got and you covered on the custom BP suits Skinner, yeah, BP Skinner, Brent Skinner. I mean, he's in full season form. It, it might as well be the playoff going on right now. It might as well be the final... Well, you can't say the final four. They don't like that. The college football playoff. College football playoff. four teams that are in the college football... He's already already in January form because he's already rocking and rolling, traveling across the country, fitting people for custom suits and shirts and accessories. He can take terrific care of you as he has for me. I got to put a suit back on this weekend. I I had two and a half months of not wearing a suit in the uh, Atlanta heat, which I've enjoyed. But... But I, I do I do love wearing suits now because I, I get compliments on it. I get uh, people that actually notice how good it looks and how much better it makes me look. That's the Brent Skinner difference. And you can experience it. BPSkinnerClothiers.com. Give them a call. Tell him you wanted your free consultation. He will come to you. You don't have to go to him. doesn't matter where you're listening to us right now on the podcast. Brent Skinner will come to you and make sure that your wardrobe is enhanced immensely. Uh, some teams that are going to try to enhance their season immensely, J.C., this weekend. We don't have a ton of great games, to be honest with you. Nah. We've got we've got two blockbusters. <laughs> Palmetto <laughs> State but, teams. Palmetto State teams. We, you know, we've got South Carolina-Georgia. We've got Texas A&M, Clemson. It's funny, we're talking about these games as the, the blockbusters and the biggest of the weekend, and they are. Oh, Vegas doesn't really see it that way. In both cases, Vegas has uh, double-digit favorites. In the case of Clemson, double-digit favorite at uh, Texas A&M. In the case of Georgia, right around 10 points. I guess you could get it as low as nine now if you've, uh, if you've sweated that one out a little bit. But Vegas sees the, these games as somewhat lopsided. I know. I know you don't. In the case of one particular game, you're calling for a major upset in week number two.
2: All right. So, so I don't see it as a major upset, and, and, and here's why. I, I look, and and Georgia fans. Um, by the way, Georgia fans, I know you listen to this podcast. Um, I want to invite you to the it is the bigspur.com Atlanta Gamecocks watch party at dive bar get there around 2:33 o'clock we'll watch the game i'm inviting all georgia fans so you can heckle me uh if you happen to win this game <laughs> this weekend and i'll I'll sit there and take it and and uh you know i will uh i will gladly take it but uh you can woof 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 all over me but he- here's the thing about georgia i think Given the lack of – I think everybody wants Georgia to be good because, like we talked about, there there aren't very many teams that have even been to the playoff. Georgia kind of captured everybody's imagination. Kirby's smart. He's recruiting well. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Look, they didn't win the national championship. They did win the SEC, and they're the first East team to win it since 08. And good, good, good. But they did play a team that they had played three weeks ago. If they have played Alabama in that game, do you, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have won. Um, uh, They had a, a bunch of seniors. Roquan Smith, best linebacker in the game last year. A senior-laden secondary. A guy like Lorenzo Carter. A guy like Dalvin Bellamy. Nick Chubb and Sonny Michel. Okay? Um. And, yes, Jake Fromm was a true freshman. And yes, he's a good quarterback. And, yes, I think he and Justin Fields could both, and I've said this before, leave UGA with national championships. I think they're on the right track. But I think the off-season hype of them is based on last year with a team that, by and large, Kirby Smart did not recruit and recruiting rankings. They they broke Alabama's seven-year streak of number one Classes. Well, this isn't basketball. This isn't John Calipari going and getting five five stars and you plug and play. In football, it's a developmental sport. And Georgia lost a lot of guys. South Carolina, on the other hand, has been young the last two years, as Will Muschamp's but Well, they're not young anymore. They have a veteran quarterback. They have one of the most explosive players in college football in Debo Samuel. And I'll tell you this, Georgia tries to bracket cover him, I've got two names for you, Brian Edwards and Shai Smith, and then I've got other names, Casey Crosby at tight end, and then other names, Rico Dowdle and Tyson Witt. Now, these are guys you hadn't heard of because they weren't ranked five stars, but they're really good players. South Carolina starts four seniors on the offensive line, okay? This is a team, and, and, and Jake Bentley is going into his third year, and they looked really good last week. I know you can't really tell about either team. Georgia, to me, I think a lot of people, and I've been guilty of this as well, have just given it to them because they were the runner-up last year. All right, let me remind you, in 2012, Mark Richt and his Georgia team, uh, they were a Chris Connolly falling down, going toward the end zone away from going and playing Notre Dame for all the marbles. And you can't tell me that Georgia team wouldn't have whipped Notre Dame up and down the field. Mm-hmm. Okay, so 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 – Yes, things seem different under Kirby Smart, but you know, let's give him some time and let him prove it. They were eight and five, his first year, and lost to Vandy and Georgia Tech at home. I mean that that you know, look, look, look great. They had a great year, and yes, I think they're a really good football team. But I think South Carolina is getting a little bit underrated going into the game, like they always have, and and I think you know. Look, in talking to someone very, very familiar with the Georgia program over the summer, the number one game on their schedule that they were worried about was this one. And they told me nobody is going to see South Carolina coming because they don't have the hype. And and I just think that, you know, with South Carolina's offense, with the veteran quarterback, this is a big-time trap game for the Bulldogs. I don't know that Georgia's ready to go in there and and stop their offense. I, I, if I have a concern, and I do have some a lot of concerns for the Gamecocks, it's Georgia's O line and Georgia just lining it up and running it down their throat. I think that's possible, and if that happens, I'll be wrong. But I pick the Gamecocks to win by two touchdowns, thirty-eight to twenty-four.
1: That is bold. bold. That is that that is strong. Two adjectives I've always used to describe J.C. Sherbert: bold and strong. Um, I don't know if I see the game going that way. To be honest with you, I I think it's going to be a close game. I I have my doubts about Carolina's defense stopping Georgia's offense. I I, I think your your last concern is a big one that I don't think would shock me if Georgia was able to put together some pretty good drives. Now, yeah. Your your point is extremely valid on what Georgia lost on defense. You don't just replace Roquan Smith. You're right. It's not a plug-and-play situation. This is not basketball, nor is this Alabama. Um, but they still have some pretty good athletes out there on D. Uh, they do have a number of guys that did return from last year. Uh, they have recruited extremely well. And I, I just think Jake Fromm in his second year now – is going to be a much different player not that he was anything but good last year but they kind of they had the training wheels on him if you look back at the stat lines in some of the key games uh it was all about Chubb and Michelle and uh you know they yeah. they were somewhat somewhat conservative on offense i don't think that's going to be the case this year they they're going to give him time to throw They've got receivers, they've got a tight end, and they've got one of the most explosive backs in the country in Swift. So I'd be shocked if George is not able to put on you know, at least 24 points on the board. And then the question is, that Carolina offense, as you talked about, with Bentley, who I've been a fan of for a while now, and defended him last year when he got a little turnover prone, um, with one of the best playmakers in all of college football, and Debo Samuel Edwards, as you mentioned. I mean, they've got backs. It's a lot to like on that Carolina offense. At that, to me, that's that's the most enticing thing I want to see. Can the Gamecocks put it all together on offense now against this Georgia D? And if they can, I think we have a game. And if they can't, I don't think we have a game.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the key. South Carolina has to score points and, and move the football. Um, you mentioned Isaac Nauta. I, I think that's an understated piece of this game that no, nobody's talking about. I, I think he's one of the greatest players. Uh, if you just lined players up, I mean, he's a tight end, so he doesn't. He's I mean, an
1: NFL talent he, that has to put a, up NFL number, you it, know, huge yeah, numbers.
2: No, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I love DeAndre Swift. I'll tell you who else I love, and, and I'm going to skip over Evander Holyfield's kid because I know he's got the name and and he's good. There's no question about it. Heron, the, the, their third back, to me, is an impressive player. I mean, mm-hmm. this guy gets out there. Nobody's talking about George's speed at wide receiver either. McCole Hardman godwin oh. and now robertson you add him to the mix yeah. riley ridley is a very solid player um yes georgia has tons of weapons uh on offense and and, and look it's going to be a challenge for the south carolina defense to stop them and and look jim cheney everybody wants to think georgia's three yards in a cloud of dust and they will do that if it's working but they'll also get in the gun they'll run rpo's he, he, You know, I remember him back when he was, you know, Kiffin's play caller at Tennessee and then Dooley's play caller at Tennessee. He was in Arkansas a couple of years. You know, he's at Purdue under Joe Tiller. This guy has called ball plays for a long time, and he's mm-hmm. actually really, really good. So we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, and if you, if you go back and you watch, um, s Network's been replaying a, a bunch of College football games from last year, including the playoff. If you go back and you watch that George Oklahoma game, and I get it, Oklahoma doesn't play defense that they're in the Big Twelve. Or you go back and you even watch George Alabama, it was not that vanilla. It was not that conservative. He started opening things up a little bit, Uh, and, and I'm with you. I mean, he's a guy that is a veteran offensive coordinator that is a calming influence for a game like this and knows typically what to call at the right time. I think it's going to be really intriguing. I'm looking forward to a great game in Columbia. The environment will be fantastic for sure.
2: Absolutely. Clemson, Texas A&M, I just uh, talked to a friend of mine that covers Clemson. He's fired up going out there in that environment. Last time they went, it was back in the 90s, or no, no, 2000s, Tommy Bowden, maybe 05, 04, something like that. A&M beat them pretty good, and A&M wasn't that good then. I just don't know – and look, what do I want to see out of Georgia this year, just to wrap, the, put a bow on that? I want to see them do what Clemson did last year. Clemson lost a lot of guys, including Deshaun Watson. They go on the road, they whip Louisville. They go on the road, they whip Virginia Tech. All right, Georgia does stuff like that. They, they Let's say they beat Carolina, they beat Missouri. I'll believe then, okay? I will believe. Right. Um, but Clemson's been here before. They've been in hostile environments. That defense was uh, outstanding last week. I know it was Furman. Um and I, I think Jimbo is familiar enough with Clemson to keep them in the game offensively for a little while. Uh but 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 I, I just you know Clemson's just such a tough team. If you get behind against them, Mike, you're done. You're not rallying against the Tigers. You're not rallying rally no. in the valley. There's no rally in the valley. I mean, you're not gonna do it. Because they'll just take the air out of the ball and run it and then punt, and then their defense is so, too good to, to move the ball against. So I think it's important if A&M wants to stay in the game to get off to a good start and make Clemson play from behind. I also think Trevor Lawrence, the freshman quarterback, will take more snaps than people think this weekend. That's my prediction.
1: That's a, that's a big one. Uh, and that would make a lot of Clemson fans happy for sure because um, you get the feeling they're just – <laughs> it's, just like, it's like, there's let, like, let's skip the formalities here and, and just go right to the guy who's more talented and, and assume that he's, he's ready to go. I don't know if this is the game to really, uh, exercise that option, but who knows, you know, it it, it could possibly be if, if Bryant struggles, I don't see much struggles against an A&M defense that is still going to have to prove to me that it's not soft, that it, that some of the residue left over, uh, from the Kevin Sumlin era is not still there. You know, I, I realized they got a, a stud defensive coordinator in yeah. Arco, although although what we learned from Notre Dame, Michigan, is that he had some pretty good players to work. Yeah, with over there, there South Yeah, there's Penn. no
2: doubt. I, know, I go were, back to his Wake Forest days, though. I think, you know, at Wake Forest, he didn't and, and they still play pretty good defense. but Right. Yeah, right. You're right, though. Notre Dame yeah. studs on defense
1: studs and and he, he doesn't have that many studs right now i, I think in time they will at, in college station but I, I i think if clemson goes up 10 nothing look out that could be scary that's when the psychological doubt starts going in your head as a player like okay yeah new coach new this new that but we we still can't stop anybody on defense and that would be my biggest fear for for texas a and m if they can keep it close early and kellen Mond just it all of a sudden comes together remember that stat i threw at you last week uh-huh. last year against power five opponents he completed 47 percent of his passes that is wretched in college football he's just got to be better against a, a you know the best defensive line in the country one of the best front sevens in the country one of the best defenses in the country to pick your pick your category there uh but I, i'm i'm to me texas a and m they got better days ahead. I just think it's too tough a matchup. I think the better game is going to be in Columbia yeah. at Williams-Price Stadium. I think so, too. Uh,
2: Travion yeah. Williams, I just want to say this. Yeah. Uh, against the – you know, if Jimbo can come up with some good play calls against Brent Venable's blitz, Travion Williams is a guy. If you blitz and they run a draw or something like that, he can take it to the house. So if he gets a big play early, I think a stays in it. I think Clemson is probably the toughest team in the country to come back on, though. Tigers get up, like you said, 10 nothing or something. Katie, over. bar the door.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They start pinning their ears back, and it's, it's lights out. There are some value pick games here. I, I You know, we mentioned that there, there's not that many blockbuster games, certainly not as many as in week one, but some value picks. How about Kentucky-Florida? Kentucky gave away that game last year, should have snapped the streak of what it seems like 2,700 consecutive losses to Florida. <laughs> uh, Do they finally put it together in the swamp? You know, Felipe Franks put on a nice little clinic against – the, the equivalent of a Division two school in Charleston Southern. Um, I, I I'm still not co- completely sold on Felipe Franks, nor am I completely sold on that offense. That'll be an interesting game to me. That'll be an intriguing game if Kentucky shows up. Uh, do they finally snap the streak that that ugly streak that's been talked about a lot? Uh-huh. Of course, you got Southern Cal Stanford at eight thirty for obvious reasons. That's a big one out there in the Pac twelve. And Sparty at Arizona state, if you're, if you're struggling to get sleep, you know, and you're up late at night, like I am on a typical Saturday and like, what, what, what game is on at 1130 at night? Well, they kicked that one off at 1045 Eastern time, 1045 Herman Edwards got a win against a lackluster opponent. Uh, Now we're going to find out is Herman Edwards, does he really have a, a team that can make a difference this year? Uh, sparty will certainly will give them a test that they did not see in week one that'll be a a fun one to watch for sure
2: absolutely you play to win the game no wait a minute that's dennis green no it's herm edwards you play to win the game yes yeah but it's it's the same really it's it's the same look i'm pulling for him dude i'm a i'm a a closet sun devil and uh Thought it was an atrocious hire, but I'm still.
1: <laughs> it's either going to be br- a brilliant move by an A.D. who hired his buddy or it's going to be a laughable hire. And, and, and Herm, who everybody loves, particularly people who have come in contact with him and, and have worked with him. Uh, uh, unfortunately, it it might not work out, but we'll see. Forks we'll we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely.
2: Uh, we're about out of time.
1: Yeah. What, do, what else are you looking forward to this weekend, if anything?
2: Uh just uh watching ball and um uh, like I said, all Atlanta area college football fans, you wanna come down and hang out with me and heckle me for my prediction on the Georgia Carolina game? Come on down to Dive Bar in Buckhead drink specials. It's the official Big dot com Gamecock watch party, but we're inviting Georgia people out and Clemson people and Aggies or uh, Whatever you want to do, just come on out to the Dive Bar and Buckhead. want to tell you guys to subscribe to our podcast using iTunes, Apple Podcast, or Google Play. Um, that's the best way to get us um, each and every week when we talk college football. And certainly looking forward to talking college football again next week after uh, what promises to be, at least in the upper echelon of games, Mike, an eventful weekend.
1: No doubt, and you've now you've put your name up there with the Tony Barnharts, the Peter Burns of the world that have picked a Gamecock upset. You're actually going 14 points. A Tony so Barnhart picked the Gamecocks. That's what I heard. Wow. Yes, that, that's become a. Fa- I don't know how the point spread is is so high because. I've heard a number of people that have picked South Carolina to win that game as it, an upset. It
2: was 16 over the summer and it's now it's now down to 9. I so mean, there you go. So in yeah. Vegas people are yeah, I mean it's, you know, yeah. second game of the season.
1: Smart money. Game Smart money will going, going on probably
2: cover at the very least I would think. So that
1: sounds good to me. All right, that's going to do it for us for JC Sherbert, Mike Morgan saying so long for now. we we'll plenty to talk about next week on the JC and Morgan podcast. So long.